0: Welcome to the Studying the Bible podcast, where every Thursday, pastors Dylan Dodson and Brian Androsian study a book of the Bible, verse by verse, to see what is being communicated and how we can use it to grow in our relationship with Jesus. We pray that today's podcast can help you grow just a little bit closer to Christ. Welcome to our Bible study through the book of Habakkuk. Uh, in this study, we're going to be going through the book of Habakkuk. We're going to be going verse by verse, um, just looking at what's being communicated there and looking at what we can apply from that book, taken from its time, and apply to our lives today. So uh, just to give a little backstory on the book, the book of Habakkuk is a, is a short book in the Old Testament. and It's one of the minor prophets. So what, what's kind of going on here is in uh, 622 B.C., King Josiah, he was in power over Judah. Now, Judah was the southern kingdom of Israel. After Israel split, the southern kingdom became Judah. And King Josiah was in power over it. And he was this righteous ruler. And he led people closer to God. And we, we can see this in the book of 2 Kings, in 2 Kings 22. However, after he died, his son, King Jehoiakim took power, and he was, he was corrupt, and he led people away from God into the state that they're now in, as we kind of pick up in the book of Habakkuk, which is the state of wickedness and injustice. And so this book, is kind of different from the other prophets in that it's, it's mainly a, conver- a conversation between Habakkuk and God, with Habakkuk questioning God on why he uh, permits injustice and wrongdoing, the injustice and wrongdoing that's going on in Judah at this time. So the book of Habakkuk, it's, it's what's called a lament. It's where Habakkuk is he's issuing a complaint to God or a prayer to God, and then God responds. So the layout of the book is it starts off with Habakkuk issuing his first complaint or his first prayer or his first lament to God. And then God responds. Then Habakkuk issues his second complaint to God based on his first, based on God's response. And then God issues his second response. And God's second response it includes, it contains these five woes that are addressing uh, different moral issues that are taking place, and then the book ends with a prayer or a song from Habakkuk to God acknowledging his power and his faithfulness. So in this study, what we're going to do is we're going to take each of these elements of the book separately. So in one session, we'll deal with Habakkuk's complaint to God, then in the next session, we'll look at God's response, and then Habakkuk's second complaint, and then God's second response, and so forth, until we get through the end of the book. So, although Habakkuk deals specifically with events that are happening in Judah, in Israel at this time, we can look at how Habakkuk addresses God and their back and forth, and I think it's going to resonate with a lot of people. We don't see somebody that just kind of blindly accepts whatever he sees, but we see somebody who questions God and is confused about what God does and what he allows, which is something that I think most people can identify with. However, in the midst of Habakkuk questioning God, we can see God's faithfulness and his willingness to be questioned by those. Who follow him faithfully? So that's that's the book of Habakkuk. That's kind of where we're going to start. So we're going to jump right into Habakkuk chapter one, verse one. The book starts off, and it says this. It's in this first segment. We're gonna we're gonna just look at Habakkuk's first um, complaints or first prayer to God, and it starts off in Habakkuk one verse one. It says this. It says the pronouncement that the that the prophet Habakkuk saw. So the book starts with, with a, a superscription, that's it's called, or a title verse that gives the information to the person that's hearing or reading this prophecy. So depending on the translation that, that you have, if you're reading a different translation, you may see the, see the term oracle here instead of pronouncement. And, and an oracle, what that means is it literally means a burden. And it's a common term used to describe prophecy or a message um, from the Lord, and it can be literally thought as of the prophet being burdened with a message from the Lord. So it starts off saying the pronouncement or the burden or the oracle that the prophet Habakkuk saw. And it continues in uh, verse 2. It says, How long, Lord, must I call for help and you do not listen? How long must I call for help and you do not listen? Habakkuk starts off his first complaint with issuing or with addressing an issue that every believer has experienced, which is seemingly uh, unanswered prayers. Prayers that seem like they haven't been answered, at least based on our perspective or our point of view. He asks, "How long must I call for help and you don't listen?" Now, keep in mind, Habakkuk is a prophet and he's most likely a, a temple musician. So he was not this kind of a casual prayer, or he wasn't someone with kind of a a weak faith, so to speak. He would have had a rich prayer life, and he was incredibly close to God. However, he still wonders the same thing that most people wonder at some point in their spiritual journey. Which is God, why don't you listen to, or why don't you answer my prayers? He continues in the second half of verse two. He says, Or cry out to you about violence and you do not save. So how long, Lord, must I call for help and you do not listen, or cry out to you about violence and you do not save? So Habakkuk his words here, they echo the cry of Job in Job chapter 19, and Job 19:7. He says, I cry out violence, but get no response. I call out I call for help, but there is no justice. However, um, so it's similar to what Job was crying out in, in the book of Job, but contrary to Job's cry, which is personal, Habakkuk is crying out on behalf of Judah, on behalf of the nation. And when Habakkuk cries out about violence, this isn't simply talking about physical violence, though that is part of it. But in reality, he, he's just talking about wickedness in general. The term here that's translated as violence is the term Hamas, and it's the same term that's used in Genesis chapter 6 to describe the world before God decided to send the flood. So in Genesis 6 uh, verse 11, it says, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with wickedness. So the term wickedness is the same term that Habakkuk uses here, just Hamas. He's crying out about the wickedness and the violence that he sees, and he's wondering why God doesn't intervene. Now remember, King Josiah's son, as you talked about earlier, King Jehoiakim, he was ruling corruptly and he led the nation away from God. So during his reign is when Habakkuk is receiving this prophecy and he's addressing the current state of the people. So this is a time in Judah's history that's rife with violence and wickedness and Habakkuk is crying out to God asking why he tolerates this. Why do you allow this to happen? Now what's interesting here is that Habakkuk isn't... Um, He's not complaining to God in the sense that we would think of complaining today. He's not just, he's not just venting his frustrations to God. Instead, he's issuing a sort of kind of like a legal plea for God to investigate and, and administer justice. So, and, and this is something that God promises to hear. We see multiple times in the Old Testament where God welcomes pleas regarding situations and he investigates, so to speak, and, and, and considers the plea. And specifically in Genesis eighteen twenty one, 21, um, we see the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, and we look in chapter 18, verses 20 and 21, and it says, Then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is immense, and their sin is extremely serious. I will go down to see if what they have done justifies the cry that has come up to me, and if not, I will find out. So this is similar to what Habakkuk is imploring God to do. He's not just complaining because he doesn't like the way things are, but he's making a plea to God to look at what's happening here, and intervene and bring justice. And he continues in verse three. He says, "Why do you force me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Oppression and violence are right in front of me. Strife is ongoing and conflict escalates." So Habakkuk continues with one of the main ideas of this book, which is injustice. By asking God, by asking why God forces him to look at injustice, he's implying that he's powerless to stop it. He's, that, he, that, that he himself, Habakkuk, can't do anything to stop it, and that God is forcing him to look at it. And he's asking God, why is this injustice happening that I'm powerless to do anything about? I can't fix this, so why is this even happening that I can't do anything about it? And even though you are powerful enough to take care of injustice, you're not. He, from his point of view, he's saying you're not taking care of, you're not dealing with this injustice, and I don't understand why. Instead, you, God, tolerate wrongdoing. So this, is kind of, this is kind of intense, what he's uh, crying out to God and what he's saying. He's not sugarcoating things here, but he's just, he, it's kind of just like raw emotion, crying out to God with what he's feeling and what he's fearing. And he finishes, he finishes up his first complaint in verse 4, which starts off by saying, This is why the law is ineffective and justice never emerges. So Habakkuk is describing uh, a society that's kind of completely broken down. They're wicked, they're violent, they're wrapped up in conflict with each other, and the law is ineffective to do anything about it. And the law he's he's, uh, referencing here is God's law. and, And Habakkuk isn't necessarily, he's not necessarily critiquing the law itself, but he's just pointing out that this is what happens when the law isn't followed. Without adherence to the law, there's no justice because people are free to act as wickedly as they want. He says, this is why the law is ineffective and justice never emerges. And then he continues. He says, for the wicked restrict the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. And he goes on to talk about the wickedness restricting, uh, I'm sorry, the wicked restricting the righteous. And when when he refers to the wicked here, it's not likely that he's talking about um, Babylon, who we're going to get to a little bit later, or anyone outside of uh, Judah, outside of Israel, but he's talking about the Israelites themselves. He's He's saying, we, the, the wickedness w- from within, are restricting the righteous. They've ignored and distorted the law, they've acted wickedly, and they haven't shown justice, and Habakkuk is wondering why God isn't doing anything about it. And in those four verses, we see Habakkuk's first complaint to God and his question to God of, why aren't you acting on this wickedness that you see? And just like Habakkuk, so many of us have, uh, have uh, questioned God in the, um, on the exact same issues, we see injustice. We see pain. We see suffering that, at least from our point of view, seems undeserved. And and whether in uh, society as a whole, as he's talking about, or just in our lives or the lives of the people that we love, you know, it's it's so often that we think, God, why don't you listen to my prayers? God, why don't you do anything about this? I'm crying out. I'm I'm I, I'm trying to be faithful. We see Habakkuk; he was faithful, but God, why aren't you intervening? Why aren't you doing doing anything? about this, or why aren't you answering my prayers? Why don't you act? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? And before we see God's response as we continue moving through the book of Habakkuk, I think it's important to just pause here, to just stop here, and look at what we can see from Habakkuk's plea to God. So I want to give us each, each um, session throughout this study, I want to give us three takeaways that we can see based on the, based on the text that we just read. And so in this first complaint to, to God in these, in these just short four verses, this is what I think we can see. First off, is that it's important to complain to God, not about God. Complain to God, not about God. How often do we complain about God, but not actually to Him? We talk to people, or even just in our, our own minds, to ourselves, we complain and we moan about the way things are, but then we never actually take those things to God, it's so easy to complain about the things, about the way things are, or the things that God has allowed uh, to other people, but to never actually bring them to God himself. And we can see from Habakkuk that instead of just complaining about something that God has done or something that God hasn't done, that we should bring our complaints directly to him. And we'll see his response to those complaints in the coming um, sessions, but we can see from Habakkuk's first complaint that we should bring our complaints to God rather than, rather than complaining about him without actually going to him. Second thing I think we can see from here is that even the faithful struggle with God's decisions. Habakkuk was a faithful prophet, and even he had struggles with the decisions that God made. We we all have struggles with faith at times, but God doesn't ask for a blind faith. He asks for faith, but he never we never see him uh, stopping anyone from questioning him, or we never see him refusing to 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 um, listen when people cry out to him. Rather, in Scripture, we see faithful people time and time again bring their questions to God, even the faithful struggle with God's decisions. Then the third and final thing that we can see from these first few verses is that without God, we are powerless. Without God, we're powerless. In Habakkuk's complaint, he addresses his own powerlessness. Remember back to verse 3, he says, Why do you force me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? oppression and violence are right in front of me, strife is ongoing, and conflict escalates. He doesn't try to solve these issues himself. Not that he would even have the ability to, but he doesn't try to or complain that he can't. He's not saying, God, why don't you give me the power to do it? Then I'll deal with it. He acknowledges that God is the one that's in control, and and he has the power to deal with these issues. And without God, Habakkuk is powerless to fix these issues. And similarly, we are powerless to fix the issues that we see without Christ. Without God. We are powerless. He is the one that's in control. He is the one that has the power to fix the issues that we um, bring to him, to fix the issues that we complain about or that we pray about. We're powerless, but God is in full control. God has the power to fix the situations that we're in. And that's what we can see from Habakkuk chapter one, verses one through four.